Welcome to the High Income Business Writing Podcast, helping you propel your writing business to a whole new level. And now, here's your host, Ed Gandia. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number 20 of the High Income Business Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Gandia, and this is the podcast for business writers and copywriters who want to take their writing businesses to the six-figure level or the part-time equivalent. Just as a reminder, you can find detailed show notes to this episode by going to b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 20. So if you're driving, jogging, or somewhere where you can't take notes right now, don't worry, I got your back. These are very detailed show notes that you can reference later at your convenience. So for those of you who have followed me for a while, this is not going to come as a surprise, but um, I'm not a fan of quoting hourly rates, at least not when you're a freelance writer. However, I have to admit that there are some situations where it makes more sense to quote project work by the hour. And if you do it right, you can still earn a great living and keep your client happy doing it this way. Um, the problem is that in most cases, it still doesn't make sense. Now, today, I don't want to talk about that. I've, I've addressed this issue before. I made the case for project flat fees. Today, I want to talk about when it makes sense to quote hourly and how you can do it profitably. And I'm certainly not the expert in this area. So recently, I was corresponding with a colleague of mine, a lady by the name of Catherine Andes. And Catherine is a web content writer and SEO specialist based in California. And she is excellent proof that you can make this model work. Catherine is consistently quoting $125 to $145 an hour. And get this, she is booked solid. She's booked months in advance. And what I wanted to do is uh, talk to Catherine so she can explain why she's chosen this hourly rate model, how she makes it work for both herself and for her client, and how she handles pricing objections and pushback when it does come up. So let's get right to the interview. This is a really fun talk, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Hey, Catherine, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Ed. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a real pleasure. And likewise, likewise. You know, we've been talking uh, and corresponding really for for a few years now. And um, as I mentioned to you recently, it's it's great to uh, to see all the progress you've made over the last uh, three, four, five years. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I've always followed you, and a lot of the information you've sent out has been really, really helpful to me and encouraging. So thank you for that. Oh, fantastic. No, it's great to hear that. It's great to hear that. So let's start by, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the work that you do and the types of clients that you go after and do work for? Okay. Well, I would say uh, the kind of work I do the most, I describe myself as a web content developer and a search engine optimization specialist. And don't let that last one scare you. I'm not super technical, <laughs> but I've just picked up a few things along the way. And um, I kind of study it from the writing point of view. Uh, uh, search engine optimization, uh, 90, 95% of it is writing and writing type tasks. Mm -hmm. so, um, so I have been able to position myself that way. 
And um, I work mostly uh, for local companies, and uh, by local, I mean they could be across the country, but in their own area, they are local. So it's not a big corporation. I do have a few clients that sell all over the country, but most of them are local, and I'd say most of their sales revenue are between three and twenty-five million, with the average being around ten to twelve million dollars a year. Okay, so these are they're small, but they they're not micro. They're not you know just your standard mom and pop that does. 500000 in revenue. Right. Now, once in a while, I do get a mom and pop like that, but they are more, that's more the rarity. Okay. Could you give, can you give us a sampling of what, maybe your last three or four clients, what types of businesses they are? Okay. Well, even though I describe myself as a specialist in the home improvement industry, uh, that, that has not panned out as well as I would have liked. But I do have some flooring clients, uh, flooring company clients. I have a solar panels client right now, mm-hmm. and I have an accountancy firm uh, and, an, and an insurance firm. So you can see it's a really wide variety of um, uh, specialties. Uh, yes, yes, and but but you know you're so that's neat. Instead of focusing on industry on our industry or industries, you're you're open there, but your whole specialty is really the type of work you do. So web content and SEO. Correct. Great. Yes. Great. Um, and how long have you been doing this type of work? Well, I relaunched my freelancing business in 2008. Um, before that, from 2000, I started in 2003 and, uh, to be a writing business, and I did all sorts of things. I did grants. I did resumes. Um, I'm in the state of California, and it started going broke in 2006, and all the grant writing work dried up. Mm-hmm. So by then, I had picked up some print work. I picked up my flooring company client, and I had done some print work for him, and uh, he asked me to do his website, which I did, and uh, it, it looked, it was fine. It was a fine website, but it, he didn't do well in the rankings, so then I did some studying up and got some coaching, and uh, that's when I uh, relaunched my business, narrowed my focus um, in terms of, you know, what I put on my website. Uh, you know, during that time, I, I was really hungry. I needed work. So I would work with pretty much anyone who hired me, but um, I didn't, I narrowed my focus on my website, what I promoted that I would do. So um, so I would say this web content development and search engine optimization I've been doing since late 2008. And uh, did have you noticed it that it's made a difference. In other words, the, the communicating the fact that this is what you specialize in web content development and search engine optimization. Do people get that? Well, at first they didn't. <laughs> They're getting to know getting to know it more. There was a lot of education I had to do. Um, uh, you know, I, in terms of my web presence, yes, definitely. In terms of getting jobs on the ground, I had to invest in terms of um, education, which I do with my weekly uh, or my it's, now it's twice monthly newsletter, and I also write for the local uh, business journal, and uh, I do a lot of networking. So as people got to know me and 
understood what I did, then they, they started to grasp the value. Now, the interesting thing is in the last year or two, uh, the, the business owners are becoming more savvy. And, and so it hasn't been as hard a sell as maybe as it was five years ago. Yeah, so or five years ago, you could have talked about web, 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 and why it's so great and important, uh, and most people didn't got it, didn't get it. Maybe today, right? It's it's an issue of uh, well, they, they already understand the value, and they're actually maybe even actively looking for someone to help them with a web project, whether it's their website or some kind of online marketing. Yeah, because I'm getting, I'm having to turn down people now, and I'm getting that. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, five years ago, they just wanted pictures and no words on their websites. And, you know, it was really hard to convince them to let you write anything, which you need for search engine optimization and for selling and for differentiating you from the, the competitors. And uh, now I'm getting people calling me saying, I, I developed my website, it looks good, but the, but the writing, I don't have any writing on it, you know. And, Five years ago, they weren't doing that. So, yeah, it's definitely better now. I've seen the same thing where people now get the whole value of SEO. It's no longer one of those things that, well, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. Now they realize, uh, yeah, uh, (laughs) we need to we need to rank as high as possible. Yes. Yes. In, in, Definitely. I'm, I'm curious about, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later in the conversation. But I'm just curious, how have you seen your your business shift in in terms of the way that you land and find and land clients from 2008 through now? In other words, how back then, how were you getting most of your clients, and how is that different from the way you find clients today? You know, I, I guess it's really kind of the same. It's just that um, now the it, I, I think if you stay in business long enough, you start to hit a critical mass, maybe, where all of a sudden it's it's a struggle to get clients. But all of a sudden, you realize, like I'm having trouble right now personally dealing with having to turn people away. I feel like I'm a snob or something, uh-huh. <laughs> and. Uh, uh, you know, for a long time, uh, I went year. You know, just even three years ago, I was having you know two or three weeks where I didn't have any work, any real work, and at a time. And then it went to where I always had work, but I didn't know the work was coming. And then the last two years, I've been booked. Sol- you know, booked. You know, I haven't had any uh, any downtime at all. And now I'm booked until the end of the year, at least. Um, wow. So, you know, for me, it's really kind of new territory. I, I kind of don't know how to handle it. Um, so, uh, but I, I would say in terms of my particular way of, um, my, my particular method of uh, landing clients, networking, article writing, um, and uh, sending out my tips to prospects who have contacted me, but, you know, maybe they didn't hire me like, Right now, my solar panels guy, um, I had a meeting with him over a year ago, and he hired, you know, some other company to work for him, and then he came back to me a year later, and it was because I kept in contact with my, you know, tips. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's always been a good way for me to generate business. It's just, just seems to have accelerated. And I do get some off the web, but I must admit... Um, the hardest clients I have to sell are the ones who have more money and who are, you know, more online savvy. It's interesting. Um, 
you wouldn't you wouldn't think that would be it, but I do. <laughs> well, so. that's, maybe it's because um, they they have an idea of what they're looking for. Maybe a better idea where I would think maybe a local uh, small company would need more hand holding and would feel maybe. more comfortable with that personal touch. Yeah, it could be. It could be that all the consulting I do is, you know, that's where my value is. And with some of these other companies, they, well, except even the ones who contact me online need a lot of help. They're not, you know, they're not the real super savvy. They're maybe more savvy than my local. Um, I just find people who shop on the internet want to go a little bit more cheaply. Yeah. So it's not always, but it it does happen. And it's interesting uh, that... It's and I agree with you as far as the critical mass thing. All freelancers who work their business consistently mm-hmm. eventually get to a point where it starts becoming easier, and they do reach a point where they have to start turning down work. Uh, uh-huh. And it's interesting that um, that it's taken about three, four, five years because that's what I find. I, my, my what I've looked at is. When I when I talk to different people and ask them when they finally reach that, it's usually a three to four year period, uh, okay. where it's not that they're doing anything different, right? You're doing all the things that you've been doing all along, but I would guess that a lot of it is now word of mouth, referrals, yes. people that have been in your uh, newsletter for a while, and it was just a timing issue. Yes, that's great. Yeah, so tell people to hang in. Yeah, <laughs> very <laughs> do important. You have, do you have any advice for how to turn people down? Yeah, well, you know what? It's um, it's interesting. I find that a lot of prospects, when they when you tell them, "Listen, I'm booked for the next three months. I'd love to work with you," and you do it in a gracious way, uh-huh. um, they're suddenly more attracted to you. Okay. And now it's either like, "Well, you know what? We weren't thinking about. Um, th- at first, we thought there's no way we can wait more than thirty days, but I'm willing to wait for her. I'm willing to wait two months." or maybe even three months. Uh, but like you've, we've had this conversation before, right? Where some people just can't wait. I mean, three, four sure. months. Um, right. And in other cases, um, they'll come back. They'll come okay. back. They end up hiring. They were so impressed with the fact that you're a book solid and you were so gracious and so professional uh-huh. that uh, the person they ended up hiring didn't work out or the project got delayed anyway. And now when they come back to you, they're like super sold. Okay. All right. So Thank you. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. That's that's worked for me. I had one instance where a guy actually started trying to sell me on the fact that I needed to take him on anyway. I mean, like really <laughs> hard selling. It's like, hey, man, uh, seriously, I, I can't do this. <laughs> that's cute. But that's, that's only really happened cute. once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I've had people wait two months. I haven't had anyone wait three months yet. So that'll that that'll be interesting. You know what? Two months is a long time. That's impressive. I Kathy. know. I know. I've had two or three clients that way. So, yeah. So let's talk about um, really what I wanted to spend some time here on. And thanks Mm -hmm. for that background, by the way. That's really helpful. Um, The reason we connected recently is that Mm -hmm. um, you price your work a little differently. Uh, You quote hourly rates for the most part rather than flat project fees. So tell me why you do that. Well, going back historically, um, I – I did it, you know, I I used to listen to lots, and I still do listen to lots of um, podcasts um, where there was um, differences, you know, people debating, what should you do? And uh, I did try the project 
fees for many clients and I just wasn't landing the jobs. Um, if I quoted 5000 for a large project, I just wasn't, you know, getting the jobs. And then the few jobs I did get, I found that my internal hourly rate was not very good. Um, so I was frustrated. And I also remember reading uh, um, Bob Bly's thing on rates. And he said that for a project that didn't have a lot of, um, you know, that it was really a long, complex project, it was okay to uh, charge hourly rates. And that's what I found I was doing. I was doing large, complex uh, projects. People would come to me without a website. Sometimes I ended up building a website in a GoDaddy template forum. That was one of the things I did to survive because I found people would be interested in me writing their sites, but when they found out that I couldn't also build it, I didn't get the job. So mm. I had I had been webmastering my own site, which was a GoDaddy site, and I know that's a sin in the WordPress days. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, so I was confident I could build a respectable site for a small client. And um, I, I'm sorry about my computer noise. I don't know if it's coming through to you. Oh, no, it's you're fine. I can't okay. even hear it. Okay. Um, anyway, so I realized that to, for some of these really small clients, mom and pops who just needed a five to ten page website, I needed to say I could also build one. And... Um, I don't really like doing that too much anymore. I prefer to work with a web developer, but I still have one client right now I'm building a site for. So, um, so uh, anyway, besides building the sites, I would help them set up their local listings with Google and Yahoo. Then they'd want help setting up their Facebook pages, and then they wanted help um, with this and that. So I really was doing a lot of... Um, consulting maybe I'd go out and hire the graphic designer for them or find one for them it was really a creative director or project management type role that I have with almost all of my clients so that just merits a um, hourly rate because there's just no way you can say to someone hey this is going to cost you twenty thousand dollars and have them hire you mm -hmm. you know yeah <laughs> they you know it, it's kind of funny because they'll hire me based on my hourly rate, and and usually around the six or seven thousand dollar mark, they start to panic. So it isn't that that's usually where the pushback comes. It isn't at the beginning. So you mean that uh, they'll hire you at the hourly rate, even if it's over a hundred dollars an hour, and that's no uh -huh. problem. Right. Even though they can probably do the math in their head as to what this might end up costing, but if you were to charge a flat project fee of ten thousand dollars, that would freak them out. Yes, wow. at least that's what I found. Okay, so we'll tell, let's let's go there then. What what rate range do you normally quote, or do you well, have right, different ranges? Well, right now my highest paying client is one thirty five, and um, I do have some clients at that rate. Um, I I have some older clients who are at um, that are fairly large that are at a hundred and one twenty five, mm -hmm. and I have one nonprofit. Uh, who's at my way, 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 way back rate of seventy-five an hour? <laughs> okay, and they're and that's a favorite charity for me, so I'm never going to raise their rate. Um, There's a good reason for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, but so I'd say that of my commercial clients, the lowest I have is 100. And they were, you know, one of my first clients. They're very easy to work with. They give me carte blanche to do whatever I want. They're also a good bread and butter client because there's no rush on their projects. So if I do get a slow period, I can just go in and work on them. So I'm never without income. So it'll be a long time before I raise them. Okay. So, but most of my clients right now are 125, 135 an hour, and I and I'm starting to quote 145 for new clients who want to wait three or four months. So far, I've had no takers. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, right now I'm I'm. It's easier for me to raise my rates in ten dollar increments than to twenty five dollar increments. I still kind of choke at saying 150 an hour. So <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I've always said you're. Um, it has to. You have to do it confidently. So you either have to practice it or you have to have the business backlog to give you the confidence or you have to do it in increments that that make you feel comfortable. Exactly. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So you've gradually, it sounds like you've you've been raising them over the years with new clients for the most part. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I did. um, My $100 client had been at 75 and I just couldn't keep him there. So I did give him one raise. But then... um, then after that, I've uh, it's always been new clients. Yes. Okay. So one of the one of the fears that that many freelancers have when they quote hourly is mm-hmm. that it's now your pricing is so transparent, right? Yes. It's so easy to, to focus on the fee at that point because yes. it's it's easily comparable to. Uh, to an attorney or an accountant or other professionals. How do you keep the prospect or the client to focus on your value instead of the actual hourly fee? Well, I love this question because I always figured I was way more valuable than an attorney or accountant. I mean, in my town, how many accountants and attorneys are there? And how many web content developers and search engine optimization specialists who aren't going to rip you off are there? Mm-hmm. Um, I guess one of the way I, I, I cite my value is, you know, when I'm describing a page that um, maybe I've developed for a client, I'll tell them, uh, you know, this page, especially at the beginning, at the beginning, I'm more expensive than your average writer because I charge everything by the hour. But over time, my price does go lower as I know them. And um, also, if I write a page, it lasts for years and years and years. I mean, they can go pay $700 for a large print ad in a newspaper, and then the weekend's over and they have to do it again the, the following month, whereas if they pay $700 to $1,500 for a page with me, that same page will keep bringing them business for years. And, uh, you know, and I explained to them, like, one of my clients, shortly after I optimized his page, he got an order for $150,000 worth of flooring. Wow. You know? So I, I do try to point out, you know, those kinds of benefits. Um, internally, how I, I'm able to justify it is, like I say, I think I'm, I'm cheaper than my accountant. I'm cheaper than my attorney, and I think I'm more valuable. And here in California, I know our rates are higher, but our carpet installers get paid $70 an hour. I think I'm worth more than that. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, so that's how, you know, I'm able to say those kinds of prices without getting um, 
wrapped around the axle. Also, too, early on, this goes back to even my grant writing. When I first started my business, I thought $50 an hour would be reasonable. And I'm a widow. I have to pay for everything myself. I don't have any other source of income. And when I got my first clients at $50 an hour and realized I couldn't put in much more than 20, 25 hours of billable time a week, I realized I wasn't going to be able to live very comfortably on 50 an hour. Mm -hmm. So I was forced to be real serious about my rates uh, by my circumstance. So that was helpful to me. Scary, but helpful. Well, it's uh, need is a very important motivator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love I love what you said there because there's a couple of things that really stood out for me was the fact that first of all you knew that you had to tell yourself a different story internally mm-hmm. uh, in order for you to be confident in quoting and explaining these rates. So the right. fact that you you thought about how you're more valuable than your attorney and your accountant. And mm-hmm. you, you believe that, and that's belief is so key. So I think that's 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 a huge point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other was the fact that, um, well, there were a couple of things, but one that stood out, I never heard anyone really explain it this way before, is that, look, yes, at the beginning I will be more expensive, but over time, as uh, I become more efficient, now that I know you, your products, your clients, and so forth, uh, I am actually, you're getting economies of scale. Right, right. You're very mm-hmm. efficient. I can get a lot more done for you in less time, and right. at that point, it's you're you're really benefiting more than I am. Yeah, and with my long term clients, I'm not constantly renegotiating every time they have a project. Yeah, that's true, right? So they they know they know what they're getting mm-hmm. into. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. Yeah, that's great. So. Um, we talked about how you, how often you, you kind of raise them and the fact that you try to do this with new clients. It's easier to do it that mm-hmm. way, of course. Right. But do you pay much attention to what your colleagues are charging? Um, or how do you how do you determine, you know, maybe what you should try next? We talked about the $10 increment and so forth. But do you pay much attention to what other people are doing? Well, yeah, at the beginning I, I did. Um, because, and, and I don't really have a lot of copywriting friends and and so you know I don't really and most of the ones I know are all saying project prices but I do pay attention to what graphic designers charge and web developers technical web developers charge and I also realized that again there are more web developers than there are copywriters there are more graphic designers than copywriters so I always figured whatever they're charging I should be a little bit higher so if a web developer is charging 75 an hour, I should be at least 85, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, same with the graphic designers because, again, there's just – you, you got to look at uh, – I mean, to us, it seems like there are a lot of copywriters because we know a lot and we see them out there. But, you know, I can walk around my town and meet people who are into web development or graphic design, but I, I, I don't know anyone else who does what I do in my town. Um, so – uh, so that's kind of, you know, I keep an eye on it, but I don't worry about it too much. And you said that most of your clients tend to have a, a local presence or regional presence only, but are they all in California? Or No, no. I have clients in uh, Wisconsin and uh, where's Detroit? What state is Detroit? Uh, I'm Michigan. having a, okay, I'm having a senior moment here. <laughs> you California people, you only know California. 
<laughs> yeah, no, and I have clients in Texas and, uh, you know, other places. So, but I would say most of them are local and most of them are regional, you know, most of them, because I write for the Fresno Business Journal. So I've gotten some clients from, you know, and people know me around here from writing locally. Um, I could probably have more if I wrote more in the some of the trade publications, but I just have enough work, so I don't. Well, you know, this is a. I'm glad you brought this up because I, I often get people telling me, "Well, I live in Wisconsin, and there's no way I could charge the rates you're talking about." Well, you've just proven <laughs> that that's irrelevant. Uh, well, my my Wisconsin client complains a lot about my rates. Well, okay, yeah, but but but, but, but he hey, pays him. He does pay him. But he you pays, know, so. or she yeah, pays. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't buy into that. I think that's a story that we tell ourselves and we choose to believe. Are there prospects and clients who believe that those rates are ridiculous? Yeah. Are there sure. some who will pay it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and right now, my I live in a small town. Uh, it's very rural where I live. We're a farming community. And uh, I'm working for a local client in town, not in one of the surrounding cities. And he's paying me one twenty-five an hour. So far, I've billed... Um, over ten thousand dollars this year to him. He's a he's a rich man. He has a company that is a very substantial company. He can afford to pay it, and he's willing to do it. Now, I to, I talked to him three or four years ago. In fact, he actually unsubscribed from my email list. But I guess he heard about me around town <laughs> and came back. Uh-huh. <laughs> so um, so it's interesting, you know. So yeah, no. It, there, if there are people in your your community who are well off and making money, they can pay your rates. And by the way, we didn't really touch on this too much, but uh, we've been talking about hourly, hourly, hourly. Tell me if you were to take an average of the range uh, that you bill an average client over the course of a year. Okay, over the course of a year, I'd say uh, the range is anywhere from four to seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And I usually have two or three clients that are over 15,000 and then I have a few filler clients who are around 1500 to 2000 they might ask me to write a page for them yeah, yeah. that's good mm-hmm. that's good you guess we've got some good diversity you got some really big ones uh, mm-hmm. medium and small right right and I did want to touch on uh, I wanted to talk about when the clients freak out oh yeah um. <laughs> what happens when you, when you you know oh, they're expecting I, 50 an hour and you tell them yeah, 35 yeah. No, no, they don't freak out at that. They freak out after I've been working for them and the project's taking longer than they thought and the oh. bill's getting high. So, and that usually happens around the $6,000 range. Um, what I'm trying to do to repair that is give them a more realistic expectation up front. I think I neglected that at the beginning, partly out of my own ignorance, too. Sometimes I don't know what a project's going to take. And then um, what I usually do if, if they start to freak out, I'll say, say you know, um, if you have a budget cap, if you want to stop it now or, you know, tell me how much more you want to spend. And what I can do is tell you what we can wrap it up at. And then later on, when you have more funds, then we can continue on. And usually that calms them down enough that we finish the whole project. So it isn't a problem. Um, but if I just show that I'm sensitive to their needs, that usually seems to calm them down. So do you, when you're quoting the, the rate, uh, are you giving them some sort of idea of what it will I try take? to. I, te- I like, I'll tell them, I said, look, this could take, if it's a big project, like a really big website, 
I tell them it could take anywhere from five to twenty thousand dollars. It just depends mm-hmm. on you know what they want once we get into it. Because I'm not going to do a whole creative brief on a whole website just to try and tell them for sure what it's going to cost. Because um, it, it would just take you know a week of time at least. I can't, I can't afford to do that. Okay, so even even the creative brief process, kind of the assessment and recommendations, you're billing at that point, or I bill for my creative brief because I have very thorough creative briefs. That's smart. They take me anywhere from five to ten hours to do. Yeah. So I bill for that. So they're paying a lot for the creative brief alone. So you know, if you tell someone, hey, it could be five to twenty thousand. That's a pretty wide range. It uh, sure is. Yeah, uh, and. It sure is. And, and if they have a limit, they can tell me. And I'll say, if you, if you have a, a limit on what you can afford, tell me up front. And I, you know, then I can scale the project down for you. Mm-hmm. Or so, maybe I would guess maybe it, you could, uh, that this is very early in the process. Maybe you could, do you ever tell them, well, listen, let's work through the creative brief. That will give us a better idea of what we're looking at. I'm more likely, I'm more likely to say, let's do a web review of your current site, and then I can make, and that's a flat price. I charge five fifty for a web review, and that usually takes me, you know, I don't usually make one twenty five on that, but somewhere in that range. Okay. And that that usually will help me uh, be able to assess their situation a little better. I love that you charge for that, and I think it's a great lesson because people need to value. Mm-hmm. This work, and if you don't charge for that, if you include it as part of kind of your uh, your um, prospecting or marketing uh, process, they're not going to value it. Yeah, like I won't meet with clients unless they pay me. Um, <clears throat> unless it's in town and it's around the corner, then I might. But um, a lot of times they get calls, they want to set up a meeting, and I'll just say, you know, uh, if you want me to come in person to your office, I'm happy to do it, but I have to charge you, um, but I'm happy to speak with you for about half hour over the phone for free. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, and that usually works out. They'll usually talk on the phone with me and it's no problem. Well, when you set that expectation from the very beginning, mm-hmm. I would think they really start valuing your time early on. Yeah. Yeah. Also, an interesting thing for me um, is I don't make deals. I've never ever made a deal with someone who wasn't an owner, unless it was. Um, I did do a webinar series for a college last year, so that was a big thing. But but it usually has to be the the CEO or the president of the company who contacts me, and then I can make a deal. If they have their assistant call me, I'm polite, but I've never been able to make a deal with them. That makes sense, especially after mm-hmm. considering the the clients you're going after. Right. So I want to go back to um, to your coding process because you use something uh, a little different from what I've seen before. Instead of a contract or fee agreement, tell us a little bit about what you use and why you, you use it. Oh, my email of understanding? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Well, I don't do contracts that are signed, and my dear graphic designer friend vehemently disagrees with me on this, so we're just different. So it's okay if you like to have a contract, that's fine. Um, I don't do it for a couple of reasons. One is if the contract um, goes bad or there's some, you know, uh, some disagreement or whatever, I don't have the capability of going to court with anyone. 
You know, I just don't mm-hmm. have that. So I don't need a co- contract for court purposes. But I do need something so that, one, I remember what the agreement was and he, the client, understands. I do need an outline of our agreement and um, so that we both have something, a, a document to go back on. If he says, hey, I thought you said you were going to do this, I can look back and say, did I agree on that or not? Um, so basically what I do, I call it an email of understanding. And in that email, I will uh, I, I just outline, I summarize very briefly exactly what I'm going to be doing. And this is also really good so they can see the depth of what I'm going to be doing so they'll understand why there are a lot of hours involved because I talk about uh, my goal, uh, the steps I'll be doing to prepare, the creative brief, um, how I'm going to strategize and then write the pages, how I'm going to do search engine optimization, how I'm going to do research for keyword phrases, and then how I'm going to track the keyword phrases that are used, how I'm going to manage the project, how I'm going to work with the developer, then the timing, uh, the web consulting, and then I'll, I'll um, and in the web consulting, that's where all sorts of other issues might come in, social media and linking issues and that kind of thing. And, uh, and if, if some of your writing people are getting thinking, oh, she's so smart in terms of technical stuff, you know, you, I just pick it up a little bit at a time. And if they go on my website and look at my easy web tips, I talk about a lot of this stuff. So um, We'll make sure to include a link to that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, I, I talk about all these things that are really valuable for owners and for freelancers as well. And then um, my terms, you know, list my hourly. I have an advance, and the advance is not refundable unless I'm unable to perform. Uh, one time I was going to redo a website for someone, and then we realized it was too complicated for me, and I couldn't do it. And she didn't want to get a new one, so I gave her back her advance. And then um, I, after that, I bill weekly or biweekly if I didn't run up enough hours, um, and that's just to keep for me for my cash flow. And uh, that way, if when I'm billing, I think I've done something wrong, I'm more likely to catch it. Um, and then I also have a little note in my terms that um, either party may stop the arrangement at any time because I don't want people to feel locked into a contract. That's one of the things I feel that sets me apart from all, especially all these SEO companies that try and get them to sign up for a year for $400 a month. Yeah. You know. I'm different than that. You know, they, they're unhappy with me. They say goodbye, pay me for what I've worked, and we're all good to go. And then I have some, you know, typical things about errors and omissions. And, oh, I noticed in this email that I sent you, I left something out, which I will send to you. Um, I need to put in something about um, SEO is uh, nobody can guarantee rankings, that kind of That's thing. That's important, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll fix that and then send it to you for the show notes. This is great. This is this is <clears> wonderful. <throat> you know what you as I'm reading this, um, you're like the anti SEO scammer. <laughs> yes, I. And hope I so. would think that a lot of your clients, right, have had that experience before, whether they've worked for these SEO companies or maybe they've. Oh to yes. Them. Oh yes. Yes. That I've actually had... sets it up nicely for you, doesn't uh-huh. it? So yeah, this is this is such a refreshing change from what maybe they've been exposed to in the past, and I can see why um, they they trust you and they like you. 
Right, right. It's just a nice little breezy document. It's not full of legalese that'll scare people off and send them to their legal department. You know, sometimes I do have a company, I had a nonprofit for their audit purposes, they wanted a contract um, or a fee agreement that was signed. And uh, I, like I say, I did a webinar for a college and to get the purchase order, I needed to have a contract. So I will do that if necessary. But for the most part, this works just fine. Oh, this is wonderful. Billing weekly. I'm, I'm curious, you ever have any problems getting paid uh, on time? Not recently, no. Um, they're not always within 10 days, but most of my clients are good clients and they pay me promptly. Um, a few years back, I think, uh, you know, I've been in business for, as a freelancer altogether for almost 10 years. And I think I've only gotten stiffed uh, 200 bucks. So I don't think that's bad. That is excellent. Yes. And, you know, yeah. I think I bet a lot has to do with uh, you're careful about who you work with and you, something else you said, you work and you're dealing with the owner. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did take on some clients a few years back when I was more hungry. <laughs> I had a client who called me and said he had just gone bankrupt, you know, so, and I took him on, and he was a slow pay, but he did pay. Okay. <laughs> but when you're hungry, you do things like that. Yes. You know, even if he had not paid me, he was a really, really good uh, sample in my portfolio for years and years. Um. And uh, because I had a lot of success, I got him high rankings. And then the fool went and had somebody redo his website and his rankings fell and he didn't call me back. And that's okay. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's for the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was fine. I was actually kind of relieved, you know. So that, that, that's okay. Well, but he did pay me. You know, he was a slow pay. I don't, you know, it's main, the main thing is they pay. If they're slow, it's not great. But the main thing is they pay. It goes to show that, um, you know, this getting stiffed idea as a freelancer, um, I think it's really reserved to certain sectors of the business. I know magazines, newspapers, very, very difficult. But, um, you know, a lot of people assume that that's the case everywhere, and it's not. I found that corporate America is the same way. It's, yeah, I've, I've never gotten stiff from a corporation. Uh -huh. uh, or by a corporation, and it's interesting and great to hear that even local businesses are, are right. Good. You know, I always get an advance, so I figure you know if I lose out a little bit, I at least got the advance. And then um, because I'm billing weekly, if if too much time goes by and they don't pay, then I can just stop work, so or slow it down so that I'm not you know. But that it just hasn't happened. Yeah, I haven't really had to worry about it. Well, you're, um, you're working on a critical part of their business, and I did want to point something out that I think um, helps you get these rates, and I would think, uh, you tell me, but it's the fact that you're working with companies where this is tied to revenue generation. Yes. Right? This is not a, oh, we'd love to have this beautiful site. This is a, we need business. Right, right. So that, that makes a yes. huge difference. Yeah, and I've got some great testimonials on my website, and that really sells them. You know, it just, uh, uh, you know, I had a, I had one client came and left a testimonial on my voicemail, and I recorded it into my computer and put it on there, and it's great, you know, so. Oh, wow. Great yeah. idea. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I thought I can't let this go to waste. So to wrap it up, Catherine, what would you advise uh, someone who – knows they can deliver great value and they do deliver great value but they're afraid to quote the rates we've been talking about here the rates that they 
they feel they deserve, but they're just afraid. Yeah, well, um, it's kind of what you said beforehand. Um, start where you're comfortable, and uh, and then you know once once if you if you feel comfortable quoting at fifty dollars an hour, um, then quote that and get a few jobs under your belt. And when you are successful, then you'll feel more comfortable raising your rates. And uh, you know, I used to practice. I did once get a rate of 150 an hour. I did some coaching for another writer, but it was only a few hours, and I had to really practice saying 150 an hour. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I felt like I was going to be giving her my secret, so you know, she deserved a you know deserved a higher rate at the time. So. Uh, you know, uh, so I did have to practice, but I still was uncomfortable, I have to admit. So I, I just say start where you're comfortable and quote that rate. Once you get a few things under your belt, you'll be able to go higher. Yeah, your confidence will be up there. The mm-hmm. 50 will be, you know, that's no big deal. And I'll tell you, the clients I have at 135 and 125, when I quoted it, they did not blink an eye. Now, you know, they didn't say anything. Now, I suppose someone else out there who's more aggressive than me would say, well, then you didn't quote high enough. Well, maybe that's true, but that's my comfort level right now. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to do. And I think it's a fair price, you know. It, it absolutely is. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's more about your self-confidence, your confidence in knowing that you can deliver th- yes. th- that, that kind of value, not so much um, what they what they think. It's... I think if you can do that, then they'll they'll feel that you're worth it. Yes. So yeah. but this is fantastic, Catherine. I appreciate you sharing oh. all this with me. Well, and, you're welcome, Matt. And, you know, we'll post this in the show notes, but where can listeners learn more about you? What's your website? Okay. My website is andesandassociates.com, and Andes is like the mountains. Or they can just Google my name, Catherine Andes, and they will find me you can find my website easily that way. And uh, like I say, if they, uh, the technical stuff they should not be afraid of. Uh, I do recommend uh, as much as possible that freelancers uh, webmaster their own website so they start to learn some of the things about technical issues. Because at least if they want to work with local businesses like me, because very often I am the go-between between the client and their web developer who speaks a completely different language. Mm-hmm. And they cannot communicate with their web developer, or better, I should say, the web developers don't know how to communicate <laughs> with the clients. Yes. So very often I'm the one in between that can go back to the web developer. I, half the time I don't understand them either, but I'm not intimidated by them anymore. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. So, you know, I can sort of say, cut the, you know what, and let's get it done. <laughs> so, <laughs> love it. You're the tr- you're a translator. Yes, yes, that is one of my jobs. Well, again, Catherine, thanks thanks for joining me today. Thanks oh, for you're all your advice. Ed. It was really a pleasure. Okay, thank you so much. Well, folks, there you have it. That is clear proof that you can actually make a very nice living working by the hour and quoting freelance writing work by the hour. And it's also proof that a lot of our fears about quoting high numbers is unfounded. I think when you position yourself correctly, and by that I mean 
when you position yourself as an expert and you provide credibility elements that point to that expert status, and when you consistently prospect and when you quote confidently, amazing things will happen. But as Catherine said, this doesn't always happen overnight. She's worked very hard to get to where she is today. I think that was very clear in our conversation. And she just kept at it and kept pushing herself and her rates even during times when things weren't looking so good out there. And she's always been willing to take a chance. That's one thing I really love about what she had to share with us today. So a few quick announcements. If you have a great story to tell, if you have success tips, strategies uh, that have worked well for you and you'd love to be considered uh, as a guest for a future episode of this podcast, I would love to hear from you. So drop me a line, ed at b2blauncher.com. Just to get an idea of what I'm looking for, just take a listen to some of the episodes that I've done here and some of the interviews and uh, you'll get a really good idea of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for proven tips, proven strategies, uh, success stories, things that you do and maybe do very well and better than many other people, or maybe some insights, strategies, tips, approaches, models that you've discovered that have worked well for you. So if you have something along those lines, drop me a note and let's talk, let's connect. Also, if you've enjoyed this episode, I'd be very grateful if you shared it with friends and colleagues. And the easiest way to do that is just go to the show notes page, b2blauncher.com forward slash episode 20, the number 20, and use any of the social media sharing buttons that you see there. And if you've enjoyed this show, it would mean a lot to me if you gave the show a quick review or rating on iTunes. And the easiest way to do that is just go to b2blauncher.com forward slash iTunes. You know, just a quick star rating or an honest sentence or two about the show would be awesome. And in fact, I want to thank some of our most recent reviewers, Adu Nate, Sam Loveland, CK Luther, and She Brooklyn. I really appreciate you give me an honest review and a star rating. It means a lot to me. This is the kind of work that can get a little lonely at times. So knowing that people appreciate your work uh, is it's just wonderful. It really uh, it, it really brightens my day, and also from a rankings perspective, it does help get the show more visibility, and it helps get this information in front of people who could really use it. So this brings us to the end of the episode. I am your host Ed Gandia. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have an awesome day. The High Income Business Writing Podcast is a production of B2B Business Launcher. Learn more at b2blauncher.com.